We are in part two of our July summer series, Stand and Fight. And um, we introduced the series last week. And if you didn't get a chance to be here and hear that, um, I think it might be online. Uh, if not, it will be soon and urge you to um, go back and uh, review that message. It's uh, so important to understand as believers that we are engaged in a battle. Because many believers don't realize that, and as a result, they become easy prey for Satan, our enemy. And so others might recognize that, yeah, we are engaged in a battle, but they don't understand the nature of the conflict, or they don't understand Satan's strategies or schemes, or the weapons that he employs, or the weapons that God has provided for our defense, and so in this series uh, this month, we are looking at probably one of the, the most comprehensive um, looks at spiritual warfare it's in Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to look eventually at verses uh, 10 through 20. But uh, again today, we're just going to read together the first four verses. And uh, so if you will follow along uh, with me. In fact, can we, can we read this together? How many think we can Let's see if we can. Let's try it. Um, All right, so we'll we'll read together. Um, Can you see that? Let's start. Finally, my brother. Yeah, I'm in the King James Version. Excuse me. Let's start again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything to stand. Amen. You did well. You did better than I did. Make no mistake about it. Our enemy is real. Although he would like for people to discount uh, him as a figment of someone's imagination. uh, So he could operate undetectedly uh, among us. The word of God has much to say about Satan. In fact, he appears the first time in Genesis chapter 3 when he is involved in the temptation of Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then he appears for the last time in Scripture in Revelation chapter 20 where the Scripture tells us that he is thrown into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever and ever. And of course, among the titles that are given to him in Scripture, he's called Satan. He's called the devil the serpent, the deceiver, the evil one, and the accuser of the brethren. Now, every New Testament writer refers to and mentions Satan, the devil. Jesus encountered him throughout his ministry and spoke often of Satan. And so he is indeed very real. And I don't think anyone here would doubt that, but, but there are people that doesn't believe, that don't, don't believe Satan is real. 
Well, spiritual warfare can take place anytime and anywhere. The devil shows up at home. Amen? Some of you say, yeah, I know he does. I'm married to his ex-wife. <laughs> and he shows up at work. Okay, yeah, yeah my boss is, is his cousin. And, and so he shows up all these places. But believe it or not, he shows up at church sometimes. And I, I wonder perhaps if... Um, there might be people that actually greet him and shake his hand and welcome him in the door uh, at times. Uh, but he, it should come as no surprise. Satan shows up at church. And we can be sure that he attends not to worship God, but he attends with the purpose of causing division and disruption and discouragement and doubt and defeat. So, yeah, he comes to church sometimes. As believers, some people have the misconception that when they become a follower of Christ, when they give their lives to him, that Christ sets them free from the kingdom of Satan. And as a result, then the devil can no longer touch them. Now, it's true that he sets you free. But when you become a Christian, the battle just begins. You are just starting to fight. Now, it's true that the devil can never totally defeat a Christian that maintains his trust in Christ. But make no mistake about it. He still works. He works to demoralize believers. He works to introduce fear of all kind into your life. He tries to make you miserable and sometimes succeeds, right? And he might always, in fact, he always tries to make us unfruitful in our work for the Lord. And so the devil is primarily interested in defeating Christians. He's not fighting against unbelievers. Why would he? The unbeliever is not a problem to the devil. But when we come to Christ by faith, by his grace, we are delivered from the kingdom of darkness and put into God's marvelous light. And so what before we were enemies of God... Now we're enemies of Satan. And so he aggressively attacks Christians. Think about that. If the devil let the Spirit of God work in believers and have his way in their lives, then any individual Christian, without exception, could put a huge dent in the kingdom of darkness. And so the devil can't let that happen. So he attacks the believer, sometimes coming at you, the scripture says, as a roaring lion. And so he pounces and he brings these catastrophic circumstances against you designed to knock you off your feet so that he can overcome you. And at other times, he comes with these appealing deceptions, offering something that seems just right at the moment. But we have to be aware that not everything he offers is, is right. So as a believer, you signed up for spiritual warfare. Realizing it or not, when you became a believer, you signed up. And so let me just say, welcome to the battlefield today. If you're looking for an escape from problems, if that's all you're looking for, Jesus is not your answer. 
Christianity is not for sissies. It's for those, it's not for those that want an easy road uh, through life. But this Christian walk and this battle is for strong men and women, followers of Christ, who will not run from the struggle. As soldiers of a cross, we have to be willing to enter the field of battle. And remember that, as I said last week, the only way that you can ever be defeated is to refuse to fight. And so as we're called into this battle, let's stand and let's fight and let's overcome. Now the, only, the, the way we understand this and the reason we know we can't lose is the scripture says that when we come to him, Christ is in us and we are in him. And when we are in him, you know, no matter how weak I feel, Christ cannot fail. I might stumble, but Christ can't fail. Now, I might waver in in, in the attack, but Christ is always victorious. And when I am in him and he is in me, then full provision has been made for us to win this battle. Now, would it surprise you to learn that Satan doesn't fight fairly? Someone asked me last week when I was introducing the message and and talking about how good of a kid I was when I was growing up. um, Somebody said, I I thought you would maybe use this illustration. And I said, well, I'm not through the the series yet. But when you start talking about fighting fairly, uh, some of the guys on our safety team Several years ago, uh, we had a really qualified, uh, highly qualified guy come in to help train. And uh, so he, he spent um, a Saturday, I think it was, with us. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then uh, two or three weeks later, uh, he'd invited us to come up to his school up in Pennsylvania, I believe it was. And so we went up there, and um, he had all the mats and everything out um, for us, and so he's talking about different scenarios, and one of them was, you know, you're caught by surprise, you're down on your back, and there's a guy sitting on top of you, just pounding you. You know, how, how do you how do you escape that? And so he he demonstrated and showed us that move, and then he said, "Now let's practice it." Now, I probably was not the biggest guy there. And so fairness would indicate that the person that I'd be matched up with would be somewhat my size. But seven foot five Tim Williams <laughs> was sitting straddle me and he had boxing gloves on, but he started pounding and pounding me right in the face. And, and I think I was kind of surprised by that. Because after all, we're sending him there to learn how to protect the pastor, not kill him. <laughs> and so, so he's pounding on me. And then I began to realize, okay, this is what it's designed for. And, you know, I thought, okay. And so that, that I remember what the tactic was, and, and I was able to escape. And, and I think I escaped. He might have just had mercy on me and just let me up. I don't know. I'm thinking, what did I ever do to Tim? I didn't do anything to make him mad. But the devil does not fight fairly. He uses anything 
and everything that he can to bring us down. And so that's what Paul meant when he's referring to the devil's schemes. The word is plural. And so there's obviously more than one scheme. So if he tries something against you that doesn't work, he'll, he'll try something else. And he has a bunch of tricks up his sleeve. And the thing is, what works to get you may not bother me at all. But what works to, to nail me may not be a, an, an issue for you at all. And so he brings his schemes, his attacks, his traps. The word means traps or tricks or tactics. He, he brings those against us. And so he's not interested in fighting fairly. Someone asked a uh, Texas politician why a certain candidate lost an election. And he said, well, it happened because he forgot the first rule of knife fighting. And the first rule of knife fighting is what? There are no rules. And that's the way Satan operates, isn't it? He fights dirty. And so don't don't think that he's going to go easy on you. He will never give you a break. He is a liar, a deceiver that comes to you in a thousand different guises, tempting you to disobey the Lord. So as we think about this, and again, I want to remind you what I said last week, and keep this in mind through the series. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a winner. And you are winning. It might not seem like it at the moment, but always keep that truth in mind. So what does spiritual warfare look like? Well, let's talk for a moment about what it does not, what it is not. And one thing I noted uh, last week and when I introduced the series is that uh, spiritual warfare might be one of the most un- misunderstood subjects or topics in uh, Christianity. And uh, it's not uncommon to find people who tend to get a little weird or maybe a lot weird uh, in their ideas of spiritual warfare. And so people can get strange. And even leaders can get strange. And, and sometimes church services can get really weird when you start thinking about or talking about spiritual warfare. Because everybody has all these different ideas about it. And that's why oftentimes pastors won't address the topic. But spiritual warfare is not yelling or screaming or hollering or shouting at the devil. It's not raising your voice and threatening him. If you really have the power of God in you, you can actually whisper and the demons will tremble. Because it's not about your voice. Now, it's okay to have emotion and passion. There's nothing wrong with that. But it can sometimes come across as unnecessary uh, confusion and weirdness. But Jude, in verse 9, is talking about godless men who do not hesitate to show their ignorance. But he tells us, Even Michael, the the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. Michael gives great insight, I believe, on how to conduct spiritual warfare. You don't yell and threaten the devil. But you simply stand in the victory that Christ has already won and say, the Lord rebuke you. God's got this. 
And so it's not yelling and screaming at the devil. Uh, spiritual warfare is not some kind of incantation or spell. And so you can't just walk around saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And keep saying that over and over and expecting something to change or happen. That's not spiritual warfare. And it's not a formula for self-help either, where you constantly think, well, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm better today than I was yesterday, and I'll be better tomorrow than I am today. Those kind of mental games are, are not what spiritual warfare is all about. So what does it look like then? It's characterized by anything that Satan brings against you that would frustrate God's plan for you. Anything that he brings against you to frustrate God's plan. If he can derail you from doing God's will, whatever he uses to do that, That is spiritual warfare. And so we can look like a lot of things in our case, in your case as well, repeated temptations to participate in sin. Where does temptations come from? Ultimately, the devil. Yeah, it's lust and and thoughts and things that arise in our own hearts, but that, that comes from the devil. Attacks from an unexpected source. Like, I never expected that person to ever turn on me. And look what happened. Look what they did. Or what a shock when my boss said he's going to let me go. Unexpected attacks. Delays or hindrances that keep you from obeying God. That's spiritual warfare. And Daniel, by the way, in the book of Daniel, there's a tremendous illustration of that. Doubts about God or about his word. You know, it's okay to have questions about God and about the Word of God. There's no problem with that. That's, that's when you dig into God's Word and you get the answers. But doubts are from Satan. In fact, that's how he got to Eve in the first place. He cast doubt. You know, has God really said you're not supposed to eat that fruit? And cast doubt on God's goodness for her. That's from, that's from the enemy. All right, circumstances that that instill unusual pressure upon you. That could be from the enemy. Temptations in areas that have never troubled you before. Attack of Satan. Worries that tend to consume you. Now, that's a big one. And Satan uses that a lot. Bitterness toward others who may have wounded and hurt and disappointed you. And on and on that list can go. But these and other things indicate that Satan has you in these crosshairs. And he is spiritually attacking you. And that's why we need this text to help us to know how to fight back and to stand and to win. So how does the devil attack? And it does help us. Uh, to know how we are opposed so we can understand why we've been given particular pieces of armor to withstand and, and overcome him. And so we need to recognize the strategy and the weapons that the enemy uses against us. Satan loves to attack us when we least expect it. And so if God's done something awesome in your life and things are going really well, the last thing you expect is for the enemy to show up. Right? 
Very rarely does Satan openly approach us with an obvious appeal to sin. So if Satan always came to you and he wore this name tag that says, Hello, my name is Satan. You would know to stand up against him. If he came to you and he said, I'm here to destroy everything good in your life. I plan to destroy your family, your marriage, your reputation, your integrity, and everything that's good. And then when I'm finished, I plan to to send you to hell or have you in hell forever. Now, if he came to you like that, you say, get out of here. Get lost. Beat it. But he doesn't come like that most of the time, does he? He comes rather in a very covert and clandestine approach. And he likes to smooth talk. And he'll tell you not to get so uptight or judgmental over what's right and wrong, but be tolerant. Tolerance is the buzzword of today, isn't it? And so get with it. Don't be so old-fashioned. Or he comes along and he insinuates to you, yes, you were mistreated really badly. And so what they did was terribly wrong, and you have every right to be angry and upset and to hold a grudge. In fact, just hold on to that grudge, and it will eventually become a root of bitterness that will spread up and, and result in an outburst of anger and eventually your destruction. Or he comes whispering to you, go ahead. Say what you're thinking. And then he sits back and laughs as your friendship is broken. He sits back and and watches that you have difficulty now making friendships because you don't have to control your tongue. Where he convinces you it's all right to steal when you walk into the store because nobody's looking and nobody's going to miss it. Where he tempts you to sneak a little peek at pornography. It's not going to hurt anything. One of his more destructive attacks is discouragement. And when you feel discouraged, consider the source. Because Satan wants to sap the strength and the joy and the vitality right out of your life. And discouragement is one of his greatest tools. So let's understand how Satan attacks. It's not always directly frontal attacks, but, but he comes around and, and he deceives and he sneaks in and he smooth talks. So let's look at the general strategy of the devil. You know, the only one who was ever consistently and totally defeated the devil, not just with his life, but with his death, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The only one. And he defeated him soundly. And this same Jesus understood how Satan operates. In fact, he put his finger smack dab on the strategy and the tactics of Satan uh, when he said in, in Luke chapter 8, verse 44, the devil is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And so the strategy the devil uses is murder. His tactic is lying. So how's the devil plan to oppose the work of God in, in the world? By murdering or destroying. He destroys. One of the names given to the devil in the book of Revelation is the name Apollyon. 
It's a Greek word that, uh, that means destroyer. And so he, he is, he's a destroyer. And what does this, does this destroy mean? Well, it means to create chaos, to lay waste, to ruin, and to make desolate. And so that's the work of the enemy. And there you have the explanation for all the evil that's happening in our headlines today. Why would somebody open fire on police officers? Why would, why would this kind of an attack happen in Orlando? And all the things that we see today, the devil is out to destroy. A destroyer is working among us. You know, God is a God of beauty and order and harmony and perfection and love and light and grace and so on. And the world that he created was one of order. And even when he created man, it was, it was good. It was perfect. But onto this scene, a destroyer appeared. And it is his delight to smash and to mangle and to mutilate and to disfigure and to darken and to ruin. And so that's his strategy. It doesn't matter who or what. His aim's always the same every time he wants to twist and destroy. That's why the devil can never offer anything positive to anyone. He can't make anything. He can't create anything. He's never made anything. He never can make anything. And so all that, the, that Satan can do is destroy what God has made. And so his power is totally negative, completely destructive in every way. That's his strategy, to completely destroy you and everything that God wants for your life. So I want you to get that. Understand, that's what the devil is all about in your life. So how does the devil do it? Well, his tactics that he employs to accomplish this, this kind of destruction, we see all around us on a daily basis. Uh, Jesus pointed it out. It's, it's by deceiving. It's by lying, by distorting, and by counterfeiting, and pretending, and masquerading, and illusion, and fantasy. And that's what Paul in our text calls the devil's schemes, or the traps, the snares, the wiles of the devil. The Bible clearly shows that the, the, the tactics of the devil fall into two categories. He attacks directly and indirectly. And so uh, he's capable of a direct confrontation with us. And he also utilizes an indirect approach. Now the Bible indicates that there are fallen hosts of angels called demons. And Paul in his text uh, refers to them as rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so the devil and his hosts are not visible. We don't see them with our physical eyes. And so Paul is saying that the devil's activity is this invisible invis- reality in the heavenly realms where God operates as well as where the devil works. So in the Bible, uh, we're told very little about the origin of the devil and his angels. Uh, But there's enough to suggest that uh, a being 
originally was created as an angel of uh, might and strength and beauty and power. A great angel whose name was Lucifer. And he was lifted up by pride, with pride. And he chose to rebel against God. And in doing so, he fell from his station of might and glory and beauty and became the devil. He drew a third of the angels with him. And these constitute the spiritual forces of evil that Paul talks about in our text. So this is the organized kingdom of darkness that is opposed to the kingdom of God. And so it's through these hosts of wicked spirits that Satan is able to make a direct assault upon man. And so the direct approach covers what the Bible refers to as demon possession. Demon possession is real. You see a lot of that in scripture, but what is it? It's the outright control of human personality by the power of a wicked spirit. And so that is a, a direct assault of the enemy. It also extends to activities such as the occult. And, and I want you to hear me a little bit, uh, not a little bit, hear me, hear me well on this. Astrology and horoscopes and fortune telling. These are all things the Bible consistently warns against dabbling in those things. Because it's through those activities that people sometimes unwittingly open themselves up to a direct attack of Satan and his demons. That's obviously something we will stand and fight against. Amen? We don't want to be possessed. No one wants to be possessed. And, and, and by the way, Satan cannot possess an individual without that person surrendering his will to Satan. And so don't walk out of here scared to death. The devil will sometime attack you and, and take over. Uh, you, have to, you have to willfully allow that. While there, is, while there are cases of demon possession, I don't believe that's where Satan attacks us the most. He more frequently comes at us in an di- indirect manner. More devious, more difficult to detect. These are satanic suggestions that Satan implants into us through two natural channels into our life. Primarily through what the Bible calls the world and the flesh. Now, sometimes you hear people say, you know, the enemies of the, of the Christian are the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's not true. They, they act as if these are three equally powerful enemies. But I want you to keep in mind, there's only one enemy, and that's the devil. But he will use the world and the flesh to get into us and, and to get through to us and to attack us. Now, probably you might, I hope you agree with me on this. The avenue the devil utilizes the most is the flesh. Of course, you realize when the Bible talks about the flesh, it's it's symbolic. It's not talking about bones and and muscle or flesh or fat. Uh, It's talking about uh, that part of us that um, describes the urge to self-centeredness. 
And uh, it's the seed of defiance, willful defiance and rebellion against God. And it's something we're all born with. You were born with it. it came from your mom. <laughs> I have a wonderful mom. It's hard to believe that I got that from her. <laughs> we're born with that nature. We didn't have to go to school to learn to lie. We already know how to do those things. Uh, who taught us to be rebellious or self-centered or defiant? We didn't take classes in that. And so we're experts in those things by the time we start going to school. We know how to do that well. We can, we can fight. But these things come as a result of man's fall originally. And that fallen nature that we, we, we see as a result. And the sin that twists and distorts the original beauty of God. I like the Phillips translation of, of Romans 3, 23, where he says, everyone has sinned and has missed the beauty of God's plan. And so the flesh, it's that natural tendency that we have been endowed with as part of the human race that wants to rebel and wants to do wrong and, and, and does it. The devil approaches us through the flesh. Now the world... It's simply the corporate expression of all the self-centered individuals who make up the human race. And so it's the total combined expression of all those who are acting satanic and devilish and sensually and, and all the things that, that we talked about with the flesh. And, and all of these people together determine the philosophy of the world. And so it's a tremendous, there is a tremendous pressure by the majority upon the minority to conform, to adjust, and to get in step with and not be different from them. That's why Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or as one translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. You see, the world is self-centered, flesh-governed. It's a human society that insists on value judgments that are ungodly and is guided by satanic philosophy. That's the world. And so Satan will use the flesh that is weak and it will use the world to put pressure upon us to conform to what he is wanting us to, t to do in our lives because he he's out to destroy us and so he will lie to us he'll deceive us he'll attack us indirectly to, to bring us down the band wants to go ahead and come on up um, we're about to finish here so the strategy of the devil is to destroy and to ruin and to make waste and the tactics that he uses are deception and lies and so we, probably all of us, are aware of some people, maybe you, maybe you have friends around you, in whom Satan is accomplishing his aims. He is destroying their lives. These are people that God loves and that Christ died for, and yet Satan is wreaking havoc in their lives, destroying them. And, and we see that happening. And so it's against this that we as Christians are called 
to battle. Not only for ourselves, but also for others that are experiencing the attack of the enemy. We conduct warfare for ourselves. But I want you to know we can also conduct warfare in behalf of other people. And I believe, and I want you to get this, I believe we underestimate the effect that we followers of Christ as the salt of the earth have on this world. As we battle Satan and his evil forces in the way that Paul tells us to in the Lord, strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because the scripture, I believe, indicates that it is the Spirit of God working through believers that holds back the power of darkness in this world. There will come a time, the scriptures talk about this, that when the church and the believers, the true believers, are raptured out, taken out to be with the Lord, that's when then the evil and the man of sin is going to totally take over. But the reason it's held back is because of the church, I believe, that holds him back, that hinders him from doing that. So, so we have a mighty influence upon this world. And so by Spirit of God in us, working through us, through our testimony as a believer, through our godly lives, through the teaching that we bring of the Word of God, I believe we make a tremendous difference. We have potential to make a tremendous difference in the world in which we live. So I want to urge you, let's stand and fight. Let's come against the enemy. You're making a difference. Amen. Now next week, I want to talk about the armor that God has given to us so that we, we every time, if we'll stand in his armor, we will be victorious. Let's stand together. I want you to remember these three things as we close today. When you know who your enemy is, you won't take him lightly. All right? Don't ever take the devil lightly. Number two, when you take up God's armor, you are ready to engage him in battle. And number three, when you fight in the Lord's strength, you will not be defeated. Amen. So listen, welcome to the battlefield. You signed up for it when you became a child of God. It is an honor, it is a privilege to fight with the Lord. Amen. He's the captain of our host. He's already told us that we win. Victory is ours. And so let's, let's join forces with him and let's win the victory. Not just in our personal lives only, but also for, for those around us. Let's see God bring victory in their lives. Amen. Amen. Father, we bless you today. We thank you that you are our mighty conqueror, Lord. That in the flesh we sang a little while ago, we are weak. But Lord, you are strong. Your spirit in us is strong. So God, we rely today upon you, upon the power of your might, your strength in our lives. God, I thank you for every believer that's here today, what you are doing in their lives. God, the testimony that each one individually has today, thank you for that. I just pray, God, that you will use them in great and mighty ways as we, as we fight the good fight until you return or take us home. 
So God, bless your people today. Strengthen us in your mighty power. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.